Welcome back, everybody. It's Taco Tuesday! I'm Alex Padilla. I'm Alex Regla. All right, everybody, here we are. Day 28 of the California quarantine lockdown, stay-at-home order. Anyways, we're a month in, Alex Regla. How are you feeling four weeks into this thing? Uh, it's, it's definitely like starting to feel like I'm starting to feel antsy for sure. Like mm-hmm. it's, uh, I'm getting a little bit of that cabin fever a little bit of that, uh, I feel you. Let me ask you, I know. Okay. okay. I'm not trying to incriminate you in any sort of way, <laughs> okay. but let me ask you, like, are you leaving your house on a frequent basis? And what I mean by that is, are you going on a walk? Are you going to the store? Are you t- doing takeout? Like how often are you actually like leaving your front door? So I was doing like maybe every other day I was going for like at least a walk or a run around like my neighborhood, but um, it started to rain over here in the valley the last like last week. So yeah, I was kind of shut in even more where I wasn't even able to leave my house at all. So um, yeah, I've been trying to like go out at least get some sunlight, not to like stores or anything, but just for walks mm-hmm. or just runs. But uh, yeah, the weather finally started to feel a little nicer today. So maybe later on I'll go for a run, but. Um, how's yeah. it over there in San Diego? So it's been the same. I mean, we ju- today I literally opened my blinds this morning, like at eight in the morning, and my fiance was asleep, and all I said was, "Oh shit!" And she's like, "What?" And I was like, "The sun's out." Like it's yeah. been that long, you know. It's been a while since the sun was out, and uh, uh, to me, I had no problem with it because it made me stay inside, like, and it didn't bother me that it, I wasn't outside. Mm-hmm. You know, because when it's nice out, I'm like, oh, I really want to go out. I really want to go, like, just chill at the beach. I want to go to the park. I want to do things that I normally do, which obviously we're not supposed to. So the rain didn't really, like, bother me too much. I still went on walks in the rain. Just took an umbrella. Okay. I, I didn't even know we had one in our house, but <laughs> figured out that we do have one. Um, but, yeah, man, I, I get it. I get where you're coming from. That's basically what I was trying to say is uh, I, I don't think anybody – woke up in 2020 was like you know what we're gonna be in our house for a month maybe even five so i'm gonna get ready for that you know like it's nobody was ready for it and it's becoming a little bit more of a of a daunting task you know the uh the binging of television shows the watching of old games although i know everybody here did watch kobe's 60 point game on monday night um it's getting a little old but you know we'll get through it we're here for everybody are we gonna compare like kobe to a wrestler this week is that what we're doing that, that should just be our whole new show just every week is different uh lakers to wrestlers and uh yeah like just who, who would kobe be that's a good uh yeah that's like that's a tough one he's kind of like a little bit of everything isn't he doesn't he have like the mentality of like a, a stone cold with the ability of like a brett or sean brett michaels yeah, yeah. uh with you know the the flair of Ric Flair, like if you wanted to, like he's kind of a little bit of everything. He would be a really difficult one to 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 pick, but like The Rock stands out. But I don't think The Rock was as good as a, of a wrestler as Kobe is as good as of a basketball player. Longevity, maybe like The Undertaker. You know, he fucking played forever. So I don't know. What do you think? I was thinking like maybe like Triple H. Like, cause uh, he was always like this killer, right? Like he would always have like a sledgehammer and he would just, mm-hmm. he's been around forever. Like he's literally done it for years and he's basically going to own the company one day. It sounds like so. Yeah. Um, yeah. Just someone like that. But, uh, someone's yelling at their speaker, Jake, the snake mamba. Oh, that's yeah. Oh, no, yeah. I forgot that. But yeah. Yeah. 
that's just the obvious like snake on snake comparison but mm-hmm. yeah but we're not doing that this week <laughs> uh sorry everybody i hope you all didn't get too bored or i know some people did like it um i saw a couple blue check marks be like dude listen to this so i know everybody's kind of fiending for something different right so mm-hmm. we tried uh this week we didn't get as creative but you know adam silver commissioner adam silver said he's not making any sort of announcements or plans until at least may 1st because that's when the nation will will reevaluate itself i know here in california it's going to be a lot you know a lot different maybe than other places but um i i don't know when or if the nba is going to come back this season i know that it does seem i spoke to george sedano today of espn la for my day job and he's pretty hell-bent on saying like hey man like the nba is going to try every single thing they could do to get this season back and they're even willing to like take the season all the way up to September, which, you know, if that happens, cool, we'll, we'll, we'll figure it out. But for the purposes of this week's episode, we're going to pretend like the NBA is not coming back and we're going to do a little bit of a recap not a recap of a review of what we liked, what we didn't like and what we want to see happen next year. Uh, so how does that sound to you, Alex? Uh, sounds great. Sounds perfect. And, we and I thought to, we could really some sorry go for it. And we it. have to be realistic also. Like if, even if the season does come back, it doesn't sound like it's gonna be anytime soon, right? So right. I think the Chinese Basketball Association um, announced today that it, their return will be until like at least July. And a lot of people thought the NBA would kind of observe that and then take notes from them and see how they're practicing and how they're playing under those circumstances. But if they're not gonna start till at least July, that I don't know what that means from the NBA. So, yeah, this, this is like a realistic scenario here. Yeah, and listen, I don't know, and no one really knows what anything is going to look like, but I promise you this, and I'm very confident in saying this. If the NBA comes back, we ain't watching it in person. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, we're going to be, we're all going to enjoy this together from our couches. I don't think they'll be, I don't think we'll be going to Staples Center for a playoff push, unfortunately. Um, so, I'm confident in saying that at least. So, for today... Uh, we, we will do a little bit of recap. And I thought it could be easily encapsulated in three questions. What worked? What didn't work? And what changes need to be made? And this is only pertaining to the Lakers because this is Silver Screen and Roll, Lakers SB Nation website. So we're only going to talk about the Lakers. And we're only going to talk about those three questions because it's really going to encapsulate everything that we thought about the season. So let's start up with the easy one. Alex, what worked? So I, I think besides the obvious, like the wins and I think the the chemistry i picked i picked alex caruso working and i think with him signing the contract a lot of people were kind of like wanting to see if he can actually play on a playoff team and contribute and i think he proved that he could and that he deserved the minutes and you and i have been huge caruso fans since we started this podcast it sounds like we've yeah always seen his praises and stuff and uh so i i looked at it looked up some of his numbers and i'm gonna read you some of his stats okay 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 so when Caruso was on the floor this year, and this is with a pretty good sample size, like with almost like 60 games played, the Lakers' net rating with Caruso on the floor was a plus 10.2. Okay. Wow. Okay. When Caruso and LeBron were on the floor, their net rating was a plus 20.8. Damn. With LeBron, Caruso, and AD on the floor, they were a plus 22.5 over 100 possessions. So. Wow. That worked. Like whatever yeah. chemistry LeBron and Caruso have, that also translated to AD and Caruso and LeBron. And that Caruso-LeBron chemistry, you, that can be tracked back to last year too when they those two played well together. So 
whatever they're doing, it's working. And Crusoe's really, really fits this kind of this kind of this this hard nose kind of just do what it takes to win type of role player that LeBron's always played well with. And I think uh, they found something, some gold here with Caruso, and they need to keep that going forward. Um, is I don't want to put you on the spot, but no. is there any way you have numbers with the same stats okay. with Rondo instead of Caruso? Yeah, let me. I have it right because that's here. just like obviously everyone's going to want to be like, okay, well Caruso only got you know eighteen minutes a game, okay. and and if Rondo was playing more with with LeBron and AD. So do you have those I do. comparable I just numbers? It up. Sweet. So Sweet. LeBron, AD, and Caruso was plus twenty two point five, right? Uh-huh. So LeBron, AD, and Rondo a negative two point eight. Wow, shocker! <laughs> that's a twenty four point difference, basically. Yeah. It's a twenty four point difference, and yet. For some reason, Rondo was getting – it seemed like he was getting more minutes with LeBron and AD. Like, mm-hmm. Rondo seemed to be getting more valuable minutes. But let's focus on what worked. We'll get to what didn't work because I think we're all going to say what didn't work. Um, with the Caruso, I know – I'm sure here all season long people are like, why do you always talk about Caruso? Why do you always talk about Caruso? And it's because, like, sometimes the numbers just straight up don't lie. Not only are your eyes not lying and you see his value on the court, the energy – just the athleticism that he brings to a position where the Lakers are not strong at. The Lakers are clearly not a strong point guard team. And that's obviously not counting LeBron playing point guard. Cause I don't think he's at his most valuable there personally, but um, it just shows that Caruso needed to get more minutes. Everything that we started like yelling about all year, or well, me and you even talked about it. Like, who's going to get... We were in the off-season, and I was telling you that Rondo's going to get the minutes. He, he's going to get... He's just going to get them. I don't know why. And we actually never got answers. Like, why Rondo's getting minutes. If anything, when we took the test, Caruso was showing you why he should get more, and he didn't. And that's a really one of the only... Like, on the negative side of Frank Vogel, that's really the one of the few that I put on the negative side of Frank Vogel this year. Because for me, I when I put down what worked... I said Frank Vogel. Like, okay. he has gotten so little attention this year. And when you're on a team with LeBron and Anthony Davis, I get it. But I was concerned about – everybody was concerned about the Jason Kidd uprising. The the can Frank Vogel control a locker room with two superstars? You know, there was all these questions about Frank Vogel. Like, he wasn't their first or second choice. Maybe not even the third or fourth choice. Um so I was very, very pleased with Frank Vogel and the way he managed this team, not only because of the success on the court, but I think because of the camaraderie that he let them build equaled success on the court. He never tried to, or he never did cause any friction in headlines. I can't even remember what Frank Vogel's voice sounds like. You know, like I just don't remember him even speaking of anything of like actual controversy or anything like that. He was just perfect for this role so far what was it 62 games in i think is what we played um i thought frank vogel did a great job his rotations made no sense to me ever he kind of kind of went with the the hot hand a lot yeah but um yeah the only negative i have for vogel that i can think of and maybe you have some more negatives is the rondo caruso cook thing no yeah i think like overall like it's hard to kind of argue about the job vogel did this year in terms of People forget like how how besides AD and uh, LeBron playing together for the first time, it was a whole kind of new roster basically with Danny Green, Dudley, all these veterans, all the young guys were shipped out. Um, so he had not only to deal with two stars, but to deal with a brand new whole team and new coaching staff and new uh, training staff even and new kind of uh, 
front office with the magic stepping out we forget mm -hmm. about all how much kind of changed in like about a month span there and mm -hmm. vogel since his kind of opening press conference he kind of was the guy preaching that they all need to come together from the front office down to the players and all kind of kind of form this union and, and play for for one like common goal and i think vogel's kind of been that kind of quiet balancing kind of act that they really needed for a coach and uh, in terms of like negatives, like you were mentioning, yeah, I think the Rondo thing is the thing that sticks out the most. Um, and I'm not sure how much uh, it comes down to Vogel's decision at the end of the day. Like if the veteran guys like LeBron and AD like Rondo and they want him out there, he's going to be out there, I think, regardless yeah. of the coach. And uh, I think Vogel, Vogel just doesn't want to ruffle any feathers. And, and you know what? For like, again, that's kind of what you want in a coach for the Lakers. You don't want to make headlines. You don't want to add to drama. And I think Vogel's kind of been a perfect coach with that. Like dealing, like we haven't heard one kid story this year. We haven't heard one Vogel story. We haven't heard, heard any kind of negative stories this year about the Lakers. Right. And right. I can't remember a season this far into it, like besides, you know, the obvious Kobe stuff and everything that's going down without kind of this negative stuff around surrounding the team. And I think Vogel's been a huge part of that. Yeah, he really has. I mean, that's another thing. You bring up Kobe. Like, he, he coached them through a tragedy. You know, how many players, especially with as close as LeBron and Kobe were, um, you know, he, he got them through that. And they seem to be really responding to everything that he was kind of throwing at them. So I, I, I said it back then, and I, I think I was proven correct. I, I, I think if you remember me in the offseason, I said two things that were kind of controversial. One, I think the Lakers might end up a lower playoff seed. Because I thought it would take them a lot longer to get used to it. Yeah. Totally proven wrong. Mm -hmm. Completely. Um, and two, I think the Lakers lucked into a better head coach. And I, I truly believe that they didn't get Monty Williams. They didn't get um, Lou, Ty Lue. And I think just in general, they just lucked into a better coach. Someone that didn't get attention in Indiana but had a incredible success. Someone who had a crap roster in Orlando and just couldn't do anything and only was there for two years. But I think when you give him some talent and then he took a year off and really studied the game yeah. and he built this really good coaching staff and you bring in Anthony Davis, I just think it was a perfect situation for him and it ended up working out great so far. Obviously, we'll see what the hell happens later, but I really liked what Vogel did. And one more side one for me. I don't know if you have more than – obviously, a lot of things worked when you're in first place like the Lakers were. But I think I wanted to highlight how good the JaVale and Dwight Howard combo was. Yeah. Because obviously, it's not – like we, another thing in the offseason, we're like, oh, Boogie Cousins, hell yeah. Like it's, He's healthy. It's going to be great. He tears his ACL. He never plays a game for the Lakers. So we're like, uh, Dwight Howard? Joakim Noah? You know, there was other guys out there that you wanted, maybe. Um, they end up signing Dwight Howard, of all people. And just the combination of those two guys, nothing but energy from your center position. Just incredible contributions on the defensive and offensive rebound or rebound rebounding uh, game. They just were really good together. And I think when you have Anthony Davis and you don't make him play a five, it shows how good he really is because he's not a five, really, because he can shoot so well. I thought they were perfect together. I thought JaVale and Dwight were really, really good together this year. Yeah, I think that that gamble on Dwight Howard just paid off enormous. And uh, I think it also kind of cemented for me that in like the modern age of basketball, you don't need like a star center. Like at this point, you kind of just need kind of reliable, kind of mm -hmm. cheap options. Like we saw what Houston did with Capella. Like they weren't going anywhere and they're paying him a lot of money. Like let's just trade him and just go small right. and 
like we probably can get the same kind of production from a guy making a quarter of what he makes and i thought the lakers kind of since getting javel really they kind of leaned into that like let's just kind of uh use this money and invest in guys like lebron and ad kind of these stars who can kind of take over offensively and and even defensively and we don't need this like big name center like dwight's a big name but they got him for the minimum like you know like and i think that's something that's gonna be interesting going forward like with dwight i know we're gonna talk about it later in terms of maybe guys we should bring back or Mm -hmm. not bring back but this is gonna be dwight's like contract year like i wonder what type of money he's gonna ask for next season from another team right and that's another whole question in and of itself because when you have a non-guaranteed contract like dwight has you have like basically nothing to lose and everything to win right like mm-hmm. he can be cut any moment and that's it so did we see the best behavior dwight or did we see a new dwight and that's been the conversation about yeah. dwight for the last what five six seven years is what dwight are you getting and the lakers got a really good one but that is that because he could be cut at any moment and he wants another contract and now we're gonna go back to the old dwight or is this because he got humbled and he was the eighth guy ninth guy on a team now and this is just who he is now that's that's, I don't know the answer to that. Yeah, and I think he kind of, this situation was always perfect for him. They, it was a star-led team. He knew right away what role he was going to play, or like you said, they were going to cut him, and there was no kind of room for him to mess around or goof around. And mm-hmm. But um, you always do worry about like that contract year type player where he outperforms all the expectations and it gets paid next year and just gets lazy yeah. and kind of regress, uh, regresses. So yeah, I, that number and the number <laughs> of years... He uh, this summer when he gets the hits the free agent market, it's gonna be really interesting. Like a team like, like I don't I don't think like a, a lottery team is gonna try to sign him. Like I think the only type of team who sign him is like a like a veteran led uh, team, a contender that's, team again. Yeah. So I, yeah. I wonder how aggressive the Lakers are gonna be try to bring him back. It's an interesting question. Uh, do you have any more positives that you wanted to take note or shall we move on? I mean, I, I think it's funny that we didn't even mention like LeBron and AD together. Like, that's obvious, right? <laughs> yeah. yeah. But it's hard. Yeah. Like we see, but even LeBron did say like he was surprised how quick they figured it out. A, a lot of stars don't mesh, and I think we saw that with Harden, Westbrook early on. Like they, like they came on like as the season went along. But for the Lakers, AD and LeBron just worked from the get go. Like it was like a perfect combination. I think the Lakers have to be happy and excited that that gamble. That I mean, was it really a gamble considering how much they gave away for AD, but. They, they must be they must feel happy that they, this works and it's something mm-hmm. they can invest in and hopefully kind of convince ad to stay over the summer yeah hopefully because that's the big that's going to be if there is no season the really the number one thing that's going to matter in the summer or whatever it is is anthony davis's future and that's that simple like he controls the fate of the lakers organization for the next four to six years whatever it is that he can sign so that's the biggest question mark in, in any offseason concerning the Lakers. Anthony Davis is the number one question mark. So uh, that's what worked in our opinion. Here's what we don't think worked. You can start it off again, man. What didn't work for the Lakers this year? So uh, we, we already kind of talked about Rondo, I think, like at least kind of hinted at it. But I think I'm going to go with Kuzma. And uh, Same for me, dude. That's okay. all I wrote down. Yeah, I think um, I was uh, – you were really uh, – you made some kind of – guesses about what was going to happen this year with Rondo and Vogel and all that, and I think you're right. I think I was wrong about Kuzma. I mean, early on, I thought, I, I just saw this kind of vision of him just getting all these open shots. I mean, he, he gets all these open shots and stuff like that, but he just looks lost out there 
with AD and LeBron at times. And mm. in the half court, like coming off the bench, it just, it, it looked really kind of, he didn't fit. And I think that was always kind of the biggest um, argument for keeping Kuz over other guys was that he fit the best in terms of, uh, of like stars on a team and he could just kind of cut and just be a low usage type guy. But this gear, it just seemed like he just, his all his confidence was sapped and he didn't know where to be on the floor and he would take really mm-hmm. bad long mid-range shots and just miss his open threes and all, all that shooting work he did over the summer didn't translate again. It just regressed even further and it just was really like kind of, it sucked to see because I, I had a really high hopes for him this year and he's still really young and everything, but I, I just, I thought he would be that third guy and that they really needed and he's just been totally inconsistent. Yeah, and I think, unfortunately, the thing I think about Kuzma now is that he might be that NBA player that shines on a losing team because he's able to throw up 15 to 20 shots a game and he'll and he'll put up stats. You know, that's what a lot of people kind of were talking about, Brandon Ingram being that guy. And obviously, he's proven that he's he can be a little bit more. That he's can't. It's a small sample size with Zion next to him, but he has proven that, you know, Ingram's a really good NBA player. Yeah. Um, Kuzma has not been able to prove that here with a really big spotlight on him. You know, he's shooting 10 times a game and it's just not really working for him. And if if he is a rhythm shooter like he has self-admitted, I I need I need attempts to to get in a rhythm. It's not going to work on a team with LeBron James and Anthony Davis. It's that simple. You're not going to get as many shots as they are. You're not even going to get close. They're going to take the majority. They're going to take 60 shots a game, you know? So uh, it just didn't work. And I wish I could even be like, well, it was turning a corner. No, it really wasn't. It just, it was a struggle. He wasn't even closing games. You know, it was other guys coming in and closing games. So that's a big sign of what the coaching staff tells you, how they feel about you. When you're not closing games out in the quote death lineup, um, you know, you're, you're really not a key piece anymore. And I wouldn't be surprised if, you know, they do offload them somehow in the off season and, and try and bring in other pieces. I was just going to ask you, like, if this is the last, like we mentioned, like if this was, if this was it and the season was over, you know, officially tomorrow or something like that. And that was like the last image we had at Kuzma was this year. Like, do you think LeBron and AD are in the front office decide like, Hey, we need that extra help. Like, obviously they're in first place. They're playing well, but, but I don't think that was in part of Kuzma's play. Mm-hmm. And, I wonder if they see it like packaging Kuzma with a guy like Danny Green's money and try mm-hmm. to get a third star, like try to get someone else in there who is more consistent, who could be another lead ball handler. Like we mentioned earlier, they need that extra help creating to kind of give LeBron a break, a break, you know? So uh, I like if I was Kuzma, I wouldn't be all that confident that I'm going to be here for the long term. Like he saw all the other, his young teammates get shipped off in one summer and if this is the last we see of uh, the Lakers this year, I wouldn't be shocked at all if they try to find someone to, to take Kuz. Yeah, it's that's someone else that I was going to bring up was Danny Green. But uh, I felt like the Lakers really brought him on for the playoffs. <laughs> like, yeah. I, like, I don't think they were expecting Danny Green to average 15 points for him during the regular season. I think they expected him to nail like three or four big shots every game in the playoffs. And so I don't, I don't feel like we're judging Danny Green as hard as we are Kuzma, but Danny Green wasn't having a great year either. Like he was shooting what 37% from three or something like that. Um, which, you know, last year, what did, what did he shoot last year? It was year? insane. Oh, it was, like, it was yeah. always going to drop. It was like 42, right. 43%. It was something crazy. Yeah. So, I mean, I, I don't judge him the same way, but the contract that he got 
I don't think it's been the value hasn't been there for Danny Green either. So I wouldn't be surprised if you do package a Kuz, if you do package a Danny Green and whoever else, you know, I don't know who else, but I wouldn't be surprised if they move on from that. But I also wouldn't be surprised if they bring everybody back because yeah. they're like, well, why would we change everything? Because we were first place, we were rolling, we figured it out, we were going. So I wouldn't be surprised either way. And that also kind of worries me that they, you can kind of get deceived by the, the record and all that stuff, but don't see kind of the cracks in the armor with like a guy like Rondo or a guy like Kuz, that these guys are on your team. Yeah. You guys are winning games, but you still need that extra help when it comes to beating the elite teams. Like they beat the Clippers and the Bucks, like kind of right before this all stopped and stuff. And those mm-hmm. were huge, huge wins, but they, they needed some extra help during those games too. And they needed some guys to step up. And I think, um, I hope they don't just kind of stand pat and say we're just going to roll everything back and try to try to improve. Like a couple of years ago, when the Lakers won that championship. They had a uh, Trevor Ariza, but they saw an opportunity to upgrade by getting Ron Artest at the time, and I thought that was a really smart move. It paid off for them. I just kind of hope the Lakers take a similar approach this summer. Mm-hmm. For sure. So that's what we think worked and didn't work so far. It's hard to like pick on like what didn't work, right? Because obviously the trajectory that the Lakers were going on, who knows what would happen, but or who knows what will happen. But for our case today, it really it's pretty obvious, right? I don't think there's a lot of like Kuzma stands out there that are going to be like, yeah, they should. He's he was turning it around, or he was doing this, or he was doing that. Like, no, he was struggling all year, and it was up and down, and that was what wasn't working. Is that there was really no consistency. Was he the third leading scorer on the team? Yes, but was he like consistently doing what they wanted him to do? No. He showed signs and he showed flashes, and that's why I'm sure they didn't trade him in the in the trade deadline. So uh, we'll see. All right, we're going to wrap it up by asking this question. What changes need to be made next year? It's tough because, like, we can say Rondo, right? But first he has, like, a player option. So it's really not up to the team if he comes back or not. Um, my guess is he'll be back because the Lakers are one of the few teams who would actually give him all the minutes he's actually getting. So, uh, it's tough because a lot of it is out of their hands. Like they can't just, I don't know if they, if Rondo even has a trade, like a no trade clause or anything. Mm -hmm. So I think he's just stuck for another year with the Lakers, but hopefully I think the one thing I would, I hope they change is if Rondo's back or not, they give Caruso those minutes or they at least sign another guard to kind of help take some of those minutes away. Like we don't know with Dion waiters, if he would have been that guy or not, but, Mm -hmm. uh, I think they do. Need, I forgot about him. <laughs> they, I think they do need to address that ball handling issue and someone else it's, who can, yeah, create some type of offense when LeBron. Because I mean, there. as much as we praise Caruso, he really wasn't the ball handling no. option that they yeah. need either. He's just not that player. So he's more of an undersized shooting guard than anything. Mm-hmm. You know, he's not really a point guard. He plays point guard because he's shorter than everybody else, but he's he's right in the middle. You know, like he's got to kind of figure out his position too. If Caruso is going to be a point guard in this league, he needs to improve his ball handling skills dramatically. Because it's just not working. I think you had stats earlier in the year about his, his like um, his uh, pick and roll stats. Oh, just when bad. he's the ball, they're bad. Yeah, yeah they're he's bad. bad. So that Lakers number one, and I cannot remember when this wasn't their issue. Even when Derek Fisher was winning championships or mm-hmm. Ron Harper or whoever, like the Lakers have needed a ball handler except the years Lonzo was on the team, and even then Lonzo was hurt all the time too. So yeah. it's been a position that these guys have not just had for a long time. And to me, it's always it, it stands out more and more and more. Every time Rondo plays, I'm like, oh, man, they just need a point guard so bad. And obviously, it's not coming in the draft. And it's not, you know, it's got to be a smart 
creative way to get it. So I don't know how they're going to do it, but they definitely need to do it. That for me was the change that needed to be made. And I've, me and you have talked about this, like at nause, at nauseish, at nauseum, at nauseum. Is that the word? Yeah. <laughs> at a brain fart. Sorry. Is they need a third score. <laughs> like they need a yeah. consistent third score. Who's it going to be? Who is it going to be? I know it's Kuzma on the stat sheet, but it's not Kuzma every day. You know, it's not even Kuzma most of the time. So, um, they need to find a third score, uh, solidify the bench with some more scoring somehow. Uh, I think I would love a, a certain like I, I'm not sure if Morris was going to be the guy, but uh, like a kind of like a, a nasty defender for the playoffs. You know, someone to get in your face, someone to be able to stop your top player. Obviously, everyone's always going to talk about why doesn't LeBron do it? Why doesn't LeBron like they need like an Avery Bradley mentality of a bigger size guy? There's a couple things that there's obviously places for improvement. So those are just things that stood out to me. I like just looking over like their roster and their contracts. The other thing that kind of worries me is they don't have a lot of money to kind of mm. throw out there this summer. And I know there's not like an, a ton of free agents that are going to be available anyway, but uh, I'm I'm not sure where that that improvement comes from unless they get like guys who want to come on vetman deals and and try to win a championship. Then that that's always a possibility. Like they can always get a guy like Dwight and find another type of Dwight guy. And, Hopefully, yeah. you know, they strike gold and he outplays his contract. But that that's just when you have two mega deals, like AD is going to get paid even more in the summer. Like that ties up your books and you got to be creative yeah. and you got to hit on the right guys. And like that, that money you're giving Danny Green. Like I think, I, like, we, I don't think we're bashing on Danny Green. Like I think he was really productive, like in terms of defense and everything. But he's one of the only contracts that's, you can take like a 15 18 million dollar contract that yeah. gets you close to a star player deal and he's on the other end of his prime you exactly. know he's 32 so it's not a lot of lebron james's out there that can do what he's doing at 35 36 so uh let's wrap up with this headline that will make people smile if you go to silverscreenandroll.com that just popped up on my timeline here's the headline people around nba believe lakers work to keep anthony davis is quote mostly done so there you go. That's according to the OC register. Kyle Goon says, by any measure, this is the top priority of the summer, obviously. Uh, but he says, most in league circles believe that work is largely done, that LA is where Davis wanted to be, LeBron James is the teammate he wanted to have, and that the Lakers have done enough to sell him on the future with the franchise. So that's I'm going to leave everybody on a positive note. How about that? <laughs> no, that's I mean that's that's the news you want to hear if you're a Laker fan. Like he's the guy you build around. He's the guy you you go out and trade everything for when they become available. And this is the reason why. And it was just the gamble is always if he left. But if it sounds yep. like he's going to stay, then that you're but, fine with AD for four or five. But would years. you rather gamble on bringing him in for sure and having him 100% having him, or would you rather gamble and do Paul George all over again? You know what I mean? Get him in the building. Yeah. That's my opinion. No, for sure. And I think the Lakers learned their lesson last time. Mm-hmm. Well, Alex, uh, subscribe to your newsletter or sign up for your newsletter, The Throwdowns. Go to your Twitter, at Alex M. Regla. Anything you want to add to that? What's going on over there? Yeah, I finally wrote something on the Lakers like uh, last week about their goaltending. Uh, I, I think earlier in the year, you kind of were joking about how many dunks they were going to average in the year. Yeah. And yeah, last time I checked, they again, they were still... I think either one or second uh, in terms of total dunks, but also they blew everyone else away in terms of how many goaltending violations yeah. they committed, which um, when you have a guys like uh, JaVale and Dwight, that comes with the 
the deal, right? They're always going to mm-hmm. goaltend. And, uh, but it turns out, like, I was doing research, like, those two guys have led the league in goaltending for, like, five or six straight seasons. So, really? the, yeah, so it just so <laughs> happened that they all got on the same team together and just goaltended and everything. But they also blocked more shots than any of their team. So it just comes with part of their deal. Very interesting. All right, guys. Well, check out his uh, newsletter, The Throwdowns, at Alex M. Regla on Twitter. I'm at AlexPadilla86 on Twitter. And, yes, I did tweet about going 28 days without wearing pants. Tomorrow will be day 29. That's right. Shorts only, man. I'm going to do it. Uh, All right, everybody. Subscribe on Spotify and Apple, Silver Screen and Roll, Lakers SBN. You guys know where to catch us. This is Taco Tuesday. Alex, we'll talk to everybody next week. Thanks, man.